overwhelmed, Bretto. It is perhaps the number one challenge our Wellness Couch listeners face. It's also the number one reason why many listeners can't get to our live events. Well, we have listened to our listeners and we are putting on our first online event, Release Your Overwhelm. So exciting, MP. Put Saturday, November 23 in the calendar. Log in from your phone or your TV or your laptop anywhere in the world and tune in to... Kim Morrison. Brett Hill. Marcus Pierce, Wendy Stewart. And Jason Witten. Release your overwhelm about time, relationships, money, your body, and most importantly, you. Access is just $10 and available at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. Book in now at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to The Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. Today, we're going to be talking all things our weight loss because when we work 24-7, we do tend to have a tendency to gain a few kilos or pounds thanks to a, a myriad of factors, uh, one of which, of course, is that ongoing and relentless fatigue that can certainly affect our food choices. So to talk about weight loss for shift workers, we have Associate Professor Maxine Bonham, who is a research academic at Monash University here in Australia in the Department of Nutrition, Dietetics and Food. And she's also a registered nutritionist. Her area of expertise and interests do include overseeing nutrition intervention programs that favorably impact metabolic health and is currently involved with initiating a research program that examines some of the adverse health effects associated with sleep debt, poor dietary habits, and misalignment of circadian rhythms in shift workers. So to talk more about this topic around weight loss specific for shift workers, I'd like to give a warm, healthy shift worker welcome to Maxine. Hello. Hi, Audra. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Do I uh, detect a little bit of a uh, UK accent just there, just then, even though you're based in Australia? (laughs) Yes, you do indeed. I was born in England, grew up there, then moved to Ireland, and now I'm in Australia. So I dropped my Northern Irish accent. I haven't yet got the Aussie one, but I've definitely still got my English one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even just those couple of little words um, before, you can definitely, definitely pick it up. So how long have you been in Australia? Been here, gosh, uh, 11 years now. So pretty much 11 years this month, I think. Okay. I came for two years and I'm still here. Ah, <laughs> You've got long service leave, so you can go back if you wish <laughs> for a visit. <laughs> you've yeah, I'm quite happy here, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Well, look, it's awesome to have you here, um, Maxine. So thank you so very much uh, for joining me. I guess, you know, first things first, this is a question that I always like to ask all my guests uh, when I get them on for a bit of a chat, is to ask you how you actually got involved in the field of nutrition and dietetics was it was it something that you always wanted to do it wasn't my I I did a human biology degree so I've always been interested in what makes people work Mm. I guess but in my second year I had a couple of units of nutrition and at that stage I was like this is what I really want to do so yeah finished my undergraduate degree um, moved straight into a master's 
of nutrition um, in Sheffield and then picked up a research job over in a university in Northern Ireland and I guess haven't looked back. Oh, right. Okay, so you went straight from your master's in, right into research. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so what specifically led you into the circadian biology and shift work or, or was that what you, you know, pretty much got into straight away? No, I've got this way, I suppose, through a, a bit of a roundabout way. It's, I guess, when I, when I think about it, actually, it's everything I've been interested in just coming together in, in, in one area. So I've always worked on um, nutrition interventions, trying to improve metabolic. Um, so glucose, lipids, trying to improve glucose and lipid markers as yep. risk factors for, for health or mm. cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes. 80s. Mm. So I've, I've always worked in that. I've, I've done um, some work around, I've worked on a number of weight loss studies over the years, one in Northern Ireland, um, a big one here in, in Melbourne. And I, I became interested, I guess, over the last six or seven years when just from reading and, you know, following up my own research, just seeing that how everything that I thought worked for, for weight and changes in metabolic markers when you intervened with a diet may work a little different differently at, at night time and we have a really top-notch sleep and circadian research group um, downstairs actually from the building I'm in and mm. just started to work a little bit with them a few years ago and, and it's, it's just developed from there so a roundabout way of getting there but as I said everything I've sort of been interested in all, all coming together nicely I guess mm. yeah just um yeah the same kind of area but at looking at it from a nighttime perspective is that right mm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, which is, yeah, very, very different and, and it's kind of what I'm super excited to talk about to you, um, on this podcast. But, you know, I think we can, we can you yeah, know, definitely appreciate that shift workers are renowned, um, you know, because we work 24-7, we do tend to eat 24-7. It, it's kind of how it happens and, you know, we, we do it as our own survival mechanism because we don't know anything different but how does this alteration in our meal timing or food intake conflict with our natural body clock or circadian rhythms and how does it or can it negatively affect our health um, including our weight well i suppose typically we are we are diurnal creatures that like to eat during the day and rest and sleep overnight and, and shift work turns that on its head so um, historically, as I said, yeah, we've, we've gathered our food during the day, we've rested at night, and nighttime's the time for us to, for our metabolic process to slow down a little bit, for us to rely on those nutrients that we've stored during the day. Um, and instead, what we are doing is we are making our body work at night when all it wants to do is sleep. Mm. So we're giving it food, we're expecting it to digest, and, and as a result, um, yeah, our body's working at at a time that it really doesn't want to and and how that manifests itself is slightly dysregulated responses to um to nutrients so what we see is whereas glucose and lipids or fats can get regulated quite um effectively during the daytime it, it's not the same at night we see extended glucose um responses to Food, which ultimately are sort of indicative of a, a diabetes risk. So, mm. yeah, you're putting your, your, your body at, at unnecessary, not unnecessary risk, but a, a greater risk than if you'd been having that same food during the day. Mm. And that's because of the sleep disruption, uh, you know, triggering a bit of insulin resistance. Is that kind of where that kind of comes into play? Um, I guess 
it's a mixture of everything. So mm. there's, there's definitely sleep plays a huge role. Um, I think with the with the insulin, and the glucose, we our tissues become less sensitive to insulin as we we go across the day. So there is this sort of terminology, and I think John mentioned actually in an earlier podcast about um, afternoon diabetes. So I think the insulin is still there, but the ability for our bodies to clear it from our bloodstream and get it into our tissues isn't quite there and it, it manifests itself as these high glucose responses and this sort of insulin um, insensitivity or, or lack of mm. insulin sensitivity but yes sleep does play a play a big role as well um, and there are other things light as well you know exposure to light probably changes to your ability to exercise you know sleep or shift work is sort of a bit of a conundrum for everything really and it's all in all at one time and all in one big melting pot mm. uh, a, a mixing of those all things good or all things bad I guess <laughs> I like that <laughs> I like the analogy of the mixing pot <laughs> yeah that's yeah definitely it's very very true so many so many different facets to it um, that's for sure getting back to what you were saying though about the fats how is that um, different sort of during the night time or what's sort of going on there so again not not quite as clear-cut as the glucose but Similar is that if you have a, a meal that um, contains a, a quite substantial amount of fat at nighttime, again, your body doesn't clear it quite as efficiently as it does in the morning. And again, that would be a, a role for insulin as insulin's involved with sort of um, fat uptake and fat deposition as well. So again, it, we keep coming back to insulin being very mm. important and also the ability of the tissues to deal with whatever's in the bloodstream at the time and just becoming a little less a little less efficient our, our digestion doesn't work quite as well um you, you know at, at night time a number of shift workers would complain from digest digest oh i can't say it, digestive <laughs> issues um and, and it's the same for yeah for fat as well it's, it's just not getting metabolized quite as well as it as it does during the day yeah interesting 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 you um did co-publish I think a study with Gloria um, Liang and Catherine Huggins um, in the journal Clinical Nutrition back in 2017 Maxine and that actually did look at the effect of meal timing on um, postprandial which just for our listeners means you're having it after your meal and that 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 glucose response to having a low GI or glycemic index meal could you share with us some of the research? Um, because I did read that a few years ago, and yeah, I, I found it really, really, really fascinating. I guess it sort of set me down the, this sort of path as well. Yeah, it was a it was a really interesting study, and I just, it probably set me down the path of being even more involved than yeah. I already was. So, I think what we did with that study is we 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 know that there's these time of day effects but we actually thought by giving um food that we traditionally or a meal that we traditionally think of being a bit more healthy so a, a meal um low in a glycemic index we would be actually able to pull back the higher glucose levels that by now we expect at night so mm. we, we we split the study in two we, we gave um a sugar bolus in the morning so i think it was either 50 or 75 grams of pretty much much pure sugar in a sugar solution <laughs> Um, called an oral glucose tolerance test and, and did it in the morning and did it at night time and saw a massive response at night time compared to during the day. Um, and what we thought is if we gave uh, a meal that's inherently healthier and we could modify that 
that um, glucose response quite significantly. And actually, to our surprise, we found that there was still quite a significant difference between the ability of the body to deal with what is said inherently a, a healthier meal at night time than during the day, which was one thing that really surprised us because we, we weren't expecting that. And then the second thing that really surprised us was we actually did the evening meal both at midnight and 8 p.m., expecting it to be worse as you go through the night. But to our surprise, even at 8 o'clock, we saw, which is a time a lot of people typically eat, even mm. if you're not a shift worker, mm. we actually saw quite a dramatic difference between the morning. So we were surprised twofold by, by that study. And then that's really, I think, set us on a pathway of trying to do our research and I suppose what we're trying to do is trying to find what might be a better meal to have at night time what what that meal may look like because it, it isn't necessarily what we thought it thought it may be and also trying to um, yeah establish when when this starts to kick in these these sort of exaggerated responses so, so what was happening at 8 a, sorry to interrupt what uh, what was happening at 8 a.m. that you're mentioning before um in the morning, um, 8 a.m., we you would you would have your sugar or your your meal. Your glucose would go up because you've you're breaking down your meal, but your insulin would kick in and the glucose would be out of your blood system, or we would have our glucose levels return back to normal as to what they started with before eating within 15 or 30 minutes. At night time, we were seeing glucose levels still high three hours after eating, mm-hmm. so we we couldn't bring it back to. Um, to the starting level for quite a few hours and it's set at, at, at 8 p.m as well as midnight whereas it in the morning your body manages to do this very effectively and very quickly mm. oh right sorry i got the times confused i thought you were saying that it was 8 a.m that they didn't get back to sort of normal but it was more the 8 p.m oh, no, is that right ah uh, gotcha we it, it yeah. not to be we didn't expect it to be as bad as mm. midnight, but they were they were similarly bad. Mm, yeah, yeah, which is interesting. And then, then we can sort of think about um, you know the, the eating schedules of in the likes of Europe, you know, Italy, and, and a lot of those places they eat late. So like they'll sit down and, and happily eat their meals like late at night. But you know the Mediterranean, you know that's a Mediterranean diet, but it's quite known to be quite a healthy diet, isn't it? It is, and you know, it is a, a little bit of a puzzle. But but one thing, um, a, it's an overall healthier diet. But but secondly, some people think that you know there is this ability to have an afternoon nap, this idea of a siesta, and inadvertently maybe that's just resetting you a little mm. bit. Um, so you know, the, these populations that do tend to eat late at night do potentially have this afternoon snack, which may give your body just a time to to readjust and, and, and reset a little bit. But I don't think that's been really well tested, but mm. um, it, it is a theory that has been posed around how they can eat late and show those metabolic consequences perhaps that other people, we may observe in other people. Yeah, wow, fascinating. But I don't think a big study's been done to answer that properly and it would be a really interesting one to mm. do. Wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Because it sort of sort of challenges the whole yeah Mediterranean kind of diet mm. um, uh, aspect. But 
Yeah. You mentioned the word naps. I'm sure everyone's uh, pricked up their ears <laughs> tuning into that one because shift workers love their naps. <laughs> that is for sure. And, and I know that they try and get them when they can. That's not always possible, but it's certainly, um, yeah, certainly something that we enjoy doing. Um, just again, from the research that you've done over these years and, and working with shift workers and everything, Maxine, what have you noticed at some of the other challenges that, that shift workers face when it comes to losing weight? Uh, I think um, that oh, it's, it's where to start. Really, we, we've there's been some research that has shown actually, which, which is really quite interesting, um, that your ability to digest. So the energy expended after you eat is called the thermic effect of food. I don't want to get too complicated, but to to to, to burn up your meal, you expend energy. And so there's been some a, a small number, small sample size, but these studies that have shown that you expend less energy, again, for the same meal at night time than during the day. Now, mm. it may not be much energy, but if you if you think about eating maybe several times overnight, several times a week, for several months of a year, for several years, this may actually um, add up a little bit, I suppose, to lead to a propensity for weight gain. So that, that's one thing. So your, your body's working against you in terms of your energy expenditure. And as I've already described, your, your glucose and fat metabolism, but also just from a workplace environment point of view, just the access to healthy food at night, that the canteens don't open, that if you need to go out and get something or you've forgotten your dinner, where do you go? What's open? Either nothing or probably a local fast food place. Um, so as well as the challenges associated with your body working against you a little bit, it, it's just your environment and what you have access to. And then other things like, um, I suppose, from a physical activity point of view, if you're working at night times, you're maybe using or losing those opportunities to fit in with team sports. You know, the type of mm. things that we, we encourage people to do after work that, you know, there are so many aspects that, again, I guess, work against um, shift workers in terms of trying to it just makes it so much harder for them to try and do all the things that we're told to do you know exercise half an hour a day they see that go and get this and um and it's just it's just a little more challenging so we sort of think that there's there is some data to show that shift workers put on weight more quickly than their day working counterparts we have shown that we don't think this is uh, related to more energy intake we we think energy intake sim is similar so it's, it's maybe food access, but it could also be the types of food as well. So, and then more importantly, the actual time mm. of when you're eating them. Mm. So that there's a number of factors that, that that could that all point the same way. But again, we're, we're still sort of trying to gather it all together and look at it. But it it makes sense to me that it may be harder for shift workers to lose weight than their non-shift working counterparts. It it, it makes sense biologically, I think. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It's um, yeah, very multifactorial, and you know, if the canteen's not open, usually the uh, vending machine is, <laughs> and um, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of those foods in the vending machine certainly aren't the healthiest. But I guess it kind of really does stem for the fact that it's that sleep disruption that sort of makes us feel so tired, and then we know when we're tired, we just yeah, don't have the motivation to to want to cook and and take care of us so, care of ourselves. So yeah, it can get a little bit of a vicious cycle. Um, but yeah, you definitely made some good, good points there. That's for sure. So, 
Another, I guess, a a question that I'm just quite curious about is because you've been doing this research for so long, Maxine, and, you know, all different types of areas and and so forth, but can you think of anything that, um, you know, either you've researched personally yourself or your PhD PhD students have done, have you, is there any kind of real uh, eye-opening outcomes that you were able to kind of identify that, that that sort of propped up in your in your research, or you know, really took you by surprise? Or um, yeah, I guess I suppose I alluded to it um, just now was that the, the, the giving what we assume to be a healthy meal would would be able to mediate um, mm. glucose responses, and, and we couldn't we couldn't pull it back as as much as we wanted. And subsequently, we've actually gone on another one of my PhD students, Rochelle. And we've gone on to actually exchange some of the carbohydrate for protein. And um, we we did manage to actually pull that glucose response back quite a lot. So, so you know, that was really mm. a great finding for mm. us because it actually offers the beginnings of a strategy mm. um, for shift workers. Yep. And for the first time, we can probably give some advice. Um, and the, the other thing, that, the other study that we've done um, – it was it was a heart foundation funded study and it was a very difficult study for for shift workers to do and for us to recruit but we were asking people to see if they could avoid eating overnight for a five or six hour window because we thought if we could ask people to rearrange when they ate and avoid this period where we thought you know the body's not working as well as it, it could do this may actually have implications for their metabolic health so while it was only a pilot study and we're still analyzing the data, what it did indicate to us is that shift workers are able to avoid eating for a, a window of about five to six hours overnight. And I think moving forward, that, that may be quite a useful strategy as well. So if we could think about changing the, the types of foods that we're eating and avoiding a time when perhaps it's least favorable to eat, mm. um, beginning to put together, I guess, the premise of some, some guidelines for, for shift workers. Um, and, and that's what we're continuing to aim to, to do over the, I guess, over the next few years in terms of our research. But yeah, the, the, big, the big change between time of day was really quite unexpected. But being able to see how we can bring it back a little bit was, was, is really exciting for us. Mm. Um, that is exciting. And uh, yeah, as you said, if it can be put into yeah, like clinical recommendations that people can actually put into practice um, and then you know, you hopefully uh, improve better outcomes, as we know, shift workers are renowned too. Yeah, for things like, you know, prediabetes, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, um, you know, yeah, the obesity and, and so forth. But by um, yeah, restricting that that timing, which I think will take um, a little bit of getting used to, because I think um, you know experiencing that hangry moment at two or three o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, is is a very real kind of thing. But I know for my sister who is a nurse. Um, she um, was doing bouts of, you know, fasting at different times. And, and for her, it was, uh, it, from even from a weight loss kind of perspective, it, it did work well, but it did take a little bit of getting used to and you had to kind of push through those hunger 
pangs, but once you, she said you were through it, it was fine. And, um, it, you know, so there's a little bit of psychology <laughs> that would um, be involved, I'm sure. But that's, yeah, that is, um, that's really, really exciting because, um, yeah, it could also help with reducing the incidence of gastrointestinal, uh, gastrointestinal, um, you know, IBS, you know, uh, and, and so forth, because that, again, that's another uh, chronic health condition that's quite prevalent um, amongst shift workers. So, yeah, awesome, awesome. So tell us a little bit about this super exciting study that you are currently um, involved in, uh, Maxine, because I know that, yeah, you've been given approval, um, you know, fi- financial approval, and it's in conjunction with um, your university at Monash and as well as um, South Australia, but it does involve, it's a study specifically for shift workers, so that excites me, um, and it is about helping night shift workers um, to lose weight. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, happy to. So um, we got funding at the beginning of this year to run a, she said, a, a big um, study in shift workers, and, and for the reasons I've explained about the you know, the, the glucose and the reduced energy expenditure shift workers are at increased risk of weight gain yep. and developing cardiovascular disease and diabetes. And while, you know, you would know as a nutritionist and I know that energy reduction does lead to weight loss, the, the scenarios and situations that shift workers face are, are inherently quite different mm. to, to me and yourself as, to, well, you've been a shift worker, but to me as a day worker, so I think it's very easy to say, yes, just energy reduce and you'll lose weight. But I, I don't think it's that simple. So what we're trying to do in this study is we we want to test out a variety of weight loss strategies, which take into account shift work scheduling, the type of access to food at night, and actually see if we can find a dietary strategy that may suit shift workers um, more or, or better. And, and Every shift worker is going to be different. So we are looking to recruit 420 shift workers, which frightens me to say it. It's a big number. <laughs> but across our, across our two research sites here in Melbourne and South Australia. And we are looking for um, yeah, shift workers who who are perhaps overweight or, or looking to lose a little bit of weight to, to come and work with us. To And we'll be randomizing them to one of our three weight loss strategies. But to try and find a strategy that's effective for shift workers and also to try and identify why it might be effective and obviously it's not going to be that one size fits all but we're yeah we're looking to get people in for for a six month weight loss intervention and then a a one-year maintenance period but the other part of the um, study that really excites me is um, that we're actually doing spending we're really interested in knowing what it's like to be a shift worker and what it's like try and lose weight so a big component of the study is to run focus groups and interviews and actually rather than just collecting blood samples and beavering away in the lab is to actually talk to our participants and say nice. you know what is it that would work for mm. you and so we're going to have a PhD student exclusively on this aspect of the study so we can actually get some real insights into compliance and what works and what doesn't work and will give us really useful information not just for the participants but I guess for the workplaces in terms of if they do want to roll out health and well-being initiatives into the future that we'll be able to say yes that's a great idea but but think about this and this actually works Mm. better you might want to think about having your scheduling or your shifts at a little breaks at a different time because this is a really key time for either eating or, or, or not eating so yeah it's a really exciting study was it's, you know super excited to to get funded it's 
you know, shifwakers make up 15 to 20 percent of the, the population. And when you every time you mm. say that, everyone's surprised and um, as to how prevalent shift work is. We all know shift work or society won't work without, you know, the shift workers. So to actually be able to run a weight loss intervention specifically for this group is really exciting and really great that I think that because it's Australian in government funding that it's actually recognized as being of importance that some specific mm. guidance and help be given to this group of this group of workers mm. oh absolutely yeah because yeah. we very much feel a bit neglected as <laughs> I'm sure yeah, I'm, not, I'm not surprised yeah. there's lots of great stuff around um, alertness and mm. um, yeah maybe shift scheduling and, and, and mental health as well but um, obviously all really really extremely important but I think nutrition and you know the the realities of what shift work means in terms of health outcomes or physical health outcomes is yeah somewhat a little overlooked so it, it's great to be able to bring nutrition and and this to the, to the forefront mm, yeah absolutely and I love the holistic approach that you're taking to yes really sit down and talk to them and because that's a, you know that is really the way that we we kind of find out exactly what's going on and you alluded to it before Maxine like no no shift working um shift worker is the same too I mean they might even be a nurse but it depends on what hospital they work at what's um what state that they they work at because the uh, regulations are different like it's it's yeah it's a it's an interesting uh, and I could even speak that for myself you know having an aviation background but I just have that aviation view I you know have never been a vet or I've never been a police officer and it's it's so that I love that strategy that you're going to bring that PhD student in and, and just sit down and really ask the questions because that's yeah I guess that's really where the rubber hits the road and you can really get to learn more about um you know what some of the individual struggles so yeah fantastic you uh, mentioned about three different diets could you share a little bit more about that maxine what is it the three different timings or it's three different types of food what what exactly did you mean by that um so we are um the we have a, a sort of the the two of them are based around an intermittent fasting got it so basically, yep. the five-two diets. Yeah, so I mean you'll be familiar with that. That that um, for two days a week you reduce your energy intake substantially, and five days a week you you go back to your habitual. Um, but how we're how we're running this is that we are asking. So we're looking for night shift workers who do at least four night shifts per fortnight. And what we want to do is we want to try and um, get randomised some shift workers to doing an intermittent fasting strategy but using their night shift day as their fast day. So inadvertently, they're, they're having less at a time where we think the body can't deal with food mm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, And then we have the, the, the equivalent during the day or on days off where your restricted days are, uh, um, yeah, day shift or a day off. And then we have a continuous energy restriction as the evidence-based best practice approach to weight loss. And we don't necessarily think there will be any difference in weight loss, but we don't know because no one's looked really in this group. So we anticipate we may see equivalent levels of weight loss, but we may see differences in some of the metabolic outcomes as people differ in terms of when they actually apply that fasting period. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because you are, you're measuring all the, the bloods and everything, aren't you as well, the glucose, insulin fats and so forth so that you've got real data yeah. to, to kind of look at see what's going on 
Yeah, so weight loss will be our um, a main outcome, um, but yeah, we'll be definitely keeping an eye on all, all the metabolic markers, that the, you know, the things we've talked about, the glucose, you said the insulin, mm. the lipids, um, um, HbA1c, which is sort of a marker of, um, yeah, yeah. glycated hemoglobin, I guess. Yeah. And a, a few other things that we are, we do have some, we are collecting for the, the gut microbiota because um it's very topical but also mm. they do have their own circadian rhythm so it turns out so mm. it's going to be interesting just to see if some of these strategies can actually i don't know reset some of the um, biomarkers as well mm. so there's it's a said so i think we are collecting i've worked out something like there'll be about fifteen thousand samples in the freezer at the end of the <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> Have you got a big yeah. fridge? <laughs> yeah. Big ones. <laughs> wow, wow. So, okay, so this um, this study that you are doing, um, so it's for night shift workers only, and that they do sorry four night shifts in a fortnight. Is that right? Is that what you said? Yeah, four night shifts in yeah. a, a fortnight. Yeah, um, yeah, and they um, are going to have a BMI that's just sort of outside the normal weight range. So to be overweight, looking at them. A body mass index of around 28 um and but no no actually already diagnosed chronic disease yes we're looking for that sort of i suppose preclinical group yeah before they, they, they've been diagnosed with a, a chronic disease um we do have a a website um if you just google swift study um you should come up with uh a link to the website and we have a lot of information about the study and a screening questionnaire um, which anyone can just go and have a look through and um, all our, the details of the study and the ethics approval and explanatory statement are, are up there um, so if people are keen they can just go and have a look at our website yep. and uh, and yeah see if it's something that, that, that they would like to do and also that they may be, may be eligible for and we do, we do have a, I do have a second study, Gloria, who we mentioned earlier, um, who ran one of the really early studies, is also doing her PhD, and she's really interesting in how shift work affects your eating habits. Yep. So if anyone, you know, doesn't want to do uh, the weight loss intervention, but would be really keen to share their experience of shift work and food, um, we, we do have a, another study running as well, which... Um, if anyone wants to email me and I'm just maxine.bonham awesome. yep. at monish.edu, I'd be more than happy to put you in touch with Gloria as well. But we, we have a number of studies running. But as I said, uh, these are the big two. But the um, the weight loss intervention is one that's, yeah, we're, we're so excited about. Um, we've, we need 400 people, as I said. So um, we're, we're often running. Well, I think we've got about 15, 20 people signed up already um, in Melbourne and obviously the Adelaide group are, going gung-ho to recruit over there as well so um, yeah it's four-year study so it's a long long time in the planning it'll be a long time to 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 roll out but yeah as i said really excited about a gap getting the funding and trying to yeah make a difference I guess. Mm, exactly to some of the people that that, that need it uh, need it the most so yeah fantastic all right so um, I guess yeah. The, the only catch is that you have to be living in Melbourne or Adelaide. Is that right? Because you do, they will need to go into um, the universities. Yeah, we can be. You definitely need to come in three or four times over that uh, eighteen month 
period. Okay. Yep. Um, we, we do see you quite frequently early on as we get you on track with your diet. Um, so there's a possibility that we can do some of the um, initial consults over Skype. But ideally, we do we do want you in with us um, to to be screened and to get your bloods and blood pressure. And we also do a, a body composition scan as well. So we do need you in at, at least four occasions. But there's a little bit of flexibility, I guess, around some of the mm. interim visits. But oh. ideally, um, yeah, we we want to see you as much as we can, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So that's four times over that an 18-month period, is that right? Because that's that no, first six weeks and then the 12 months or? it's No, sorry. That's where we take um, the blood um, measures. Uh, we actually see, you, we actually see gotcha. you 13 times. Oh. But we're, yeah, um, but we're, we're very flexible on Obviously, we have um, uh, a researcher and students, so we're Monday to Friday. We know what it's like as a shift worker because obviously when most people are coming in to do our normal studies, uh, um, shift workers may be asleep or still coming off night shift. So um, we, we need to see people in the morning for the initial bloods. So they need to be fasting, but then it becomes a lot more flexible. We can have the, you know, the dietary consults or the information sharing sessions potentially in the afternoon afternoon it, it is a big commitment um that it is 13 times over over 18 months but you will be working with a dietitian for the first six months to actually really help you get on track mm. with, with your weight loss plan, whatever you're randomized to um yeah and yeah we'll be working with you for about 18 months to see how you go yeah well given that there's not really much out there so yeah Sorry, I was going to say, given that there's not much out there at the moment, this is definitely, um, you know, a fantastic opportunity for people to kind of take up, um, not only from their personal, um, you know, gains of, of being able to lose weight and get some guidance, you know, around nutrition and, and so forth, but, you know, also knowing that, you know, the research that you're doing is also actually helping other shift workers. So it's, um, yeah, I think it's, um, it's, yeah, it's a fantastic, fantastic initiative. Yeah, it, it's it's great. And as I said, we're, we're said so excited it, it got funded, and so far it, it's going great. And the people we've had in have just been so fantastic. You know, just awesome group of people. Mm. So they're just wonderful to work with, and mm. so keen to be involved and motivated. And I yeah. think glad that someone is trying to to make a difference and, and help help mm. them. So yeah, it's been fun so far it's just good fun yeah yeah brilliant brilliant well thank you for doing it uh you know i i myself personally could never be a researcher but i'm happy to share the research <laughs> to filter it um filter it down and uh, yeah I, I just yeah i'm, I'm in awe of, of, of everything that you know that all of um you know the universities are doing and i always get my ears pricked up when i hear a study on shift workers so it's definitely um yeah super super excited i'll make sure um that the links that you mentioned about the shift, um, sorry, the Swift study is in the show notes along with your email address um, as well, Maxine. But thank you so very much for um, for joining me today um, for recording this podcast. I know that it's currently Melbourne Cup Day down there for you, uh, <laughs> and yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that you've taken some um, some time out of your schedule, and, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Audrey. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I could probably have talked for another two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
um, yeah, thanks again for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. I don't worry. I would have been quite keen to hear you for another two hours as well, but probably our listeners might have just nodded off a little bit at that stage. But, yeah, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> well, that's it um, for another edition of the Health Issue Worker podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. If you found this uh, episode helpful, please feel free to share it with other shift workers you think may benefit as this will help me to spread the Healthy Shift Worker message to shift workers and organisations all around the world. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be despite working 24-7. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.